25-year-old Stephen McDaniel, Giddings' neighbor and a person of interest, remains in jail on unrelated burglary charges. You know, we, we just don't know where she is. I mean, what about um, in the like the parking lot area? I know they've been doing a lot of, I think that's where they have recovered the body or whatever they recovered from there. Body. What is up, Ewoo crew? We're back for more. And today, we got a whopper for you. Have you ever had a creepy feeling like you were being watched? Don't you just get the heebie-jeebies thinking about how someone could be stalking you and you wouldn't even know it? Well, you won't feel any better about that after today's story. <laughs> That's for sure. So, get ready. We're about to talk about the murder of a bright young woman by the name of Lauren Giddings. She was every man's dream girl. She was stunningly beautiful, extremely intelligent, and she had strong morals and values. Not only that, she was also super kind and friendly. She went out of her way to make everyone feel acknowledged and appreciated, even underdogs and awkward nerds. Lauren really had it all, and she had a lot going for her, too. Originally from Maryland, the young woman had relocated to Macon, Georgia in 2008 to attend the prestigious Mercer University Law School. She was passionate about her work and was deeply involved in a group that worked to prevent convicts from meeting the death penalty for their crimes, as she felt this wasn't a moral or ethical punishment. Lauren worked hard to build a professional career for herself, and in May 2011, she successfully graduated from the law school. Family was everything to this girl. She was also in a serious relationship with an established corporate lawyer living in Atlanta, Mr. David Vandiver, who was actually planning to propose to Lauren. But her main priority was her career. For three years prior to her graduation from Mercer, Giddings lived alone in student housing across the street from her school. During that time, she apparently mentioned more than once that she thought some items within her home had been moved, as if someone had been in there when she was gone. Yet her lifestyle was so incredibly busy that she quickly moved past these odd instances and shrugged them off. Now, I don't know about you, but if I noticed something like that, I'm not just cruising past it. That's a red flag, and buddy, you better believe I'm doing something about it, like security cameras and Home Alone-style booby traps or something. So anyway, at the end of June 2011, Lauren told friends and family not to bother her as she would be immersing herself in study for the upcoming bar examination and planned to close herself off from the world as she did so. June 25th was the last time anyone would ever see or hear from her again. Anyone, that is, except for her next-door neighbor and fellow classmate, Stephen McDaniel. Here's where I'll give you the creepy warning. This story is about to become extremely disturbing. If you're in the dark, you might want to turn on your lights right now. McDaniel had grown up in a devout Christian home down in a suburb of Atlanta, 
He was a rather quirky antisocial nerd who enjoyed playing video games, samurai movies, and reading medieval fantasy books. He didn't seem to have any friends. In pursuing a career as a criminal defense attorney, Stephen left his family home to attend Mercer Law School. His first student housing roommate would later reveal his own fears and concerns about McDaniel. According to him, the geek discussed how to commit the perfect murder almost nightly and often bragged that should he ever do it, he would totally get away with it. The roommate also noted that Stephen never had any friends over, aside from other students who came solely for study sessions. A former friend of the young man added that he was slovenly and had terrible personal hygiene. Eventually, this freak moved into student housing across the street from the law school, where he would meet the truly talented Lauren Giddings. Their fellow neighbors and students would later explain that even though Stephen was a weirdo that most people avoided like the plague, Lauren was always polite, respectful, and friendly with him. She treated him the same way she would treat anyone else. Perhaps her personable charm is what drew McDaniel's attention to her. Either way, it seemed like he developed feelings for her that were not reciprocal. Although it was not unusual for the young woman to bury herself in her studies and have no communication with the outside world, her friends and family became concerned in the last week of June after not hearing hide nor hair from her in several days. They had been unable to reach her by phone call or text because her cell phone had been dead or powered off, and no one had seen her at the school library in quite some time. Eventually, Lauren's sister advised some of the girl's friends to go to her apartment to see if she was okay, but she did not respond to their knocking. Her sister told the friends to use a spare key hidden in a flower pot to enter the premises in order to check on her. The commotion gained the attention of Stephen McDaniel, who expressed concern and said that he too hadn't seen her in a while. He joined the group in entering her apartment. Inside, they found nothing out of the ordinary, but Lauren was not home. However, her phone, keys, and purse were present, which escalated their concerns. After speaking to a family friend who was a police officer in Washington, D.C., Lauren's sister decided to call the cops and report the circumstances. At first, law enforcement thought they were dealing with a missing persons case. Although things didn't add up, no one thought that she was dead at that point. Soon enough, the media caught wind and began to show up at the apartment complex, something that ultimately ended up breaking the case wide open. Over the next couple of days, Stephen would give three highly charged media interviews. She's as nice as can be. I mean, very personable, very much people person. To the unsuspecting eye, his concern appeared genuine. We're, we don't know where she is. I mean, the only thing we can think is that maybe she went out running and someone snatched her. To others who knew him, his behavior was very odd. 
But the one thing that everyone could agree on was that he had character in his interviews, providing animated and long-winded explanations. Then, on the morning of June 30th, police discovered a body in a trash can right outside of Lauren's apartment after noticing a foul odor coming from the area. Wrapped inside black garbage bags was the torso of a white female. They scoured the area for the rest of the remains, but were unsuccessful. They later confirmed her identity through a DNA match with her mother's blood. When police caught wind of Stephen's 15 minutes of fame on the news, their focus shifted. Although they had already briefly interviewed him about Lauren's disappearance, they wanted to dig deeper. They approached every tenant in the apartment complex and requested to access their units to conduct a search. Everyone agreed to it, except for McDaniel, who said that he had firearms inside and wanted to protect them, as well as his personal space. The tenants of the building, along with Giddings' friends and Stephen, were all taken down to the station for questioning. At some point, he finally agreed to let the cops inside his apartment to search for Lauren. He had not yet been informed that they had discovered the young woman's torso. They also asked him to lift his shirt so they could see if he had any marks on his body. He actually did have two scratches on his abdomen that looked like they had been made by fingernails. Stephen insisted he did not know how they got there and later stated that he thought maybe he had scratched himself in his sleep. Show me that scratch again that you showed me earlier. That was it a... What did you say happened there? I think I scratched myself in my sleep. Huh. At about 1.30 p.m. that day, they finally released McDaniel from their custody and took him home so that they could check his apartment to see if Lauren was inside. They discovered several guns, knives, and a samurai sword. As they continued to conduct their search of his apartment, they asked Stephen to step outside and informed him that their search was not yet complete. That's when McDaniel encountered the media. Yeah, Lauren was my neighbor. Um, we're just trying to find out where she is at this point. I mean, no one has seen her since Saturday. I mean, the last time anyone heard from her was an email that she sent out, and I mean, no one's heard from her since. He was actually informed by a local reporter mid-interview that a body had been found. The 25-year-old was shook. I mean, we, we just don't know where she is. What about um, in the, like, the parking lot area? I know they've been doing a lot of, I think that's where they have recovered the body or whatever they recovered from there. Body? Um, had you heard, any, had you seen anything there? Had you seen anything there? I, I mean, we don't know if this is the same person. You know what I mean? Like, they took out a body there earlier. We don't know if it's the same person or not. So that's how we're trying to ask people if they know who lived there. Are you okay, sir? I think I need to sit down. Okay. He seemed stunned by the news and required a time out to sit down and compose himself. However, moments later, he was back on camera giving a tearfully emotional interview. I... I... I don't know anyone that would want to hurt her. She was 
as nice person as there is. Was she moving soon? Did you know anything about her? Yeah, yeah. She she was going to be moving out uh, today. This dude should have won an Emmy for his performance. It was just sick. What's going on in your mind right now? Like, what are you thinking? Why would anyone do this? Didn't hear anything? No. Didn't see I. Yeah, I just heard something. Maybe I could have helped. It's okay, don't worry. Do you want to sit down for a second? At some point that day, police eventually secured a search warrant to conduct a more thorough search of Stevens' living quarters. That night, they again took him back to the detective bureau for yet another interview, which was recorded on camera. Now, I personally watched the video of this interrogation in its entirety. It was over two hours long, and I've got to say... It was straight up bizarre. In fact, it actually raised the hairs on the back of my neck. You got your on that news and stood out there and gave a media report that her mother saw about her missing daughter. And you want me to sit there and tell them that you don't know. Is that what you want me to tell them? Because you're all over the news. You sure stood out there and ran your mouth to the news media. But now you're going to get out here and you don't know. You know. You're just a sorry piece of that don't give a You ever heard that saying, when the going gets tough, the weird get weirder? Well, that's Stephen McDaniel to a T. For the duration of the video, McDaniel remained virtually motionless. At the beginning, one of the detectives asked him to put his hands on the table and look him in the eye as they spoke. Stephen obliged these requests but remained stiff as a board. He spoke in an eerily monotonous voice and answered everything with, yes. Was you friends with Lauren? Yes. Look at me when you talk to me, son. Okay? Yes, 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 yes. No. Have you ever seen her with that dress on? No, 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 no. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Or, I don't understand what you mean. He was completely robotic, and I cannot even imagine the frustration these detectives would have felt. You hurt this girl. Yes, you did. You hurt that girl. And it was like this for hours. I didn't do anything. You're lying. You hurt that girl. No, I didn't. Sure it did. That's why you're having this massive meltdown right now. 
Because you can't live with yourself, can you? In hindsight, it's clear that this was the killer's way of maintaining power over his interrogators while also avoiding self-incrimination. Even when the detectives became furious and demanded answers, Stephen kept his composure and continued to give short responses. You know what's crazy? I was talking to people that he works with and everything. They talk about how... He's always expresses himself. Um, he don't know. He's very talkative. See, they say you're so talkative, buddy, that you're always so friendly. You stop in and say hello, and you talk. What? Why is it that you're acting so short with us tonight? If you if you have all this character and personality about you, why is it that everything that we get from you is yes, no, or I don't know? Whenever they left the room, Stephen remained silent and motionless, staring at the wall. The interrogating detectives were in and out of the room several times throughout the interview. All right, we're ready to go. Apparently, they were simultaneously gathering information from Lauren's friends, family, and classmates in other rooms. They also secured more search warrants that would enable them to look inside McDaniel's vehicle as well as to examine the scratches on his body and take samples. At some point that was not shown in the interrogation video, one detective was somehow able to get him to admit that he had broken into other tenants' units in the building. This confession would allow law enforcement to arrest him on burglary charges, which would ensure he stayed in their custody. When investigators gained a search warrant for McDaniel's apartment, they discovered a lot of damning evidence. Very disturbing stuff, to be honest with you guys. So, please prepare yourself for what's next. Inside, they found some of Lauren's undergarments, which allegedly had holes cut into them, thought to form some sort of mask. They also discovered a thumb drive that police suspected Stephen had stolen from Lauren's apartment at some point. On it were hundreds of photos of the girl. Investigators also found packaging for a recently purchased hacksaw. The hacksaw itself was later found in a maintenance closet in the apartment building. And Lauren's DNA was on it. You're probably asking yourself how he got the hacksaw into the maintenance closet and how he was able to break into Lauren's apartment to steal her belongings and later kill her. Well, somehow, Stephen had obtained a master key that would gain him entrance to any unit or room on the apartment complex premises. He also had a copy of the key to Lauren's apartment in his possession, though police aren't sure how he managed to get either of these keys. A review of his computer and online activities would reveal even more disturbing findings. They found creepy stalker-type video footage that displayed a view of the interior of Lauren's apartment from the outside of a window. Police would later say that Stephen had duct-taped a camera on top of a long wooden pole, which he used to obtain this video footage. Apparently... The video was taken on the night of the murder. Coincidentally, the girlfriend of a downstairs neighbor stated she had seen McDaniel that night walking out from the side of the building carrying a long wooden pole. 
She added that later that night, she also heard a commotion coming from Lauren's apartment. Did she actually overhear the murder of Lauren Giddings? Law enforcement also found that the murderer had frequently made numerous online postings in which he wrote detailed stories about murdering people. Apparently, he often used the handle Son of Liberty, or SOL, when making these postings. He even posted one hypothetical story about murdering his sexy neighbor and classmate. Ew, what the heck? So, roughly one month after his arrest for the burglary, McDaniel was formally charged with the brutal slaying of Lauren Giddings. He would later plead not guilty to these charges, but had yet to enter a plea for the actual murder at the time. Now, as I said before, Lauren vehemently opposed the death penalty and fought hard against it for her clients at the Capitol Defender's Office. This prompted her family to request that her killer not face capital punishment for his crime. The prosecutors agreed to this on one condition, that Stephen must confess to where he had placed the rest of her body, as her head and limbs had never been recovered. Ultimately, Stephen accepted the plea deal and produced a handwritten allocution about what he had done the day before his trial was set to begin. In it, he confessed that he had entered Lauren's apartment using the master key at around 4.30 a.m. on June 26, 2011. He was wearing a mask and gloves and proceeded to watch the young woman sleep. At some point, a noise he made when walking woke Lauren and she ordered him to get out of her apartment. It was then that McDaniel says he jumped on her bed and attacked her. In their struggle, the two toppled on the floor and Lauren's legs and lower body somehow became trapped under the bed, preventing her getting away or fighting back. At some point, she successfully ripped off his mask and upon recognizing her neighbor and classmate, she said, Stephen, please stop. She lost consciousness. He then dragged her to her bathroom and placed her lifeless body in the bathtub. Stephen claims he left Lauren there until the next night when he returned to dispose of her. Meanwhile, McDaniel continued with his daily routines, completely unfazed. He later explained that in those moments, he felt like she was still alive and that the murder had never happened. Lauren's murder sent shockwaves through the university's community, and the killer's account of how it all went down left everyone extremely disturbed. Stephen stated that he couldn't explain why he killed Miss Giddings, but that he felt his mind was somehow divided, and that he obviously had some mental issues. In April 2014, he was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison. He might have an unlikely chance at parole in about 30 years. Interestingly, in early 2018, Stephen and his family filed a right of habeas corpus to appeal his conviction, claiming that his rights were violated during the murder investigation and also after his sentencing by police, prosecutors, and even his own lawyers. 
The killer's parents set up a GoFundMe page to raise money for the legal costs associated with the habeas corpus. But this caused a humongous uproar that ultimately resulted in GoFundMe shutting down the page almost immediately. Many people interpreted these actions as McDaniel's attempt to take on the role of attorney, representing himself in the trial he never had. However, his own attorneys testified and explained that they actually thought he was innocent, all the way up until he produced his confession and allocution. In fact, as Stephen questioned his former attorneys on the stand at the trial, they were legally enabled to reveal even more details about the gruesome slaying of Lauren Giddings. In the end, the judge denied McDaniel's appellate petition. Shocker. It's worth noting that there are people online suggesting that young man had been framed, even going so far as to say that police planted evidence in his apartment. However, Stephen did write his own allocution and confession. So if he hadn't done it, why would he have confessed to the crime in such extraordinary detail? Furthermore, McDaniel had obtained a prestigious law degree prior to committing the murder. It's likely he would have been aware of any infringement on his rights throughout the process leading up to his conviction and sentencing. These online rumors certainly cannot be substantiated. I mean, I don't know about you, but I honestly feel relieved that someone this psychotic and dangerous is no longer out on the streets. And I do wonder if Lauren was his first victim. The fact that he is locked away will help me sleep a little better at night. If I can get past the fact that there are others just like him still out there. So what do you think of all this? Do you think he was possibly framed? Do you think his rights have been violated? Or do you think he just got what he deserved? Be sure to let us know in the comments below. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to hit the like button and subscribe. A playlist is going to pop up right now with more videos you'll love. Until next time, Ewoo crew.